In this episode of Movie Wallers, we talk about Killers of the Flower Moon, Dicks, the musical, and Priscilla. For Movie Wallers. Hi, this is Joe. Hi, it's Rashmi. And yes, you as well. Movie Wallers is your weekly dose of film reviews, movie news, and general banter in theatres, on DVD, online streaming, or in the back of an airplane. If you love the movies, this podcast is for you. Woohoo! Greetings, both. Hello. Hello. We meet. Another fine Sunday. Yes. Indeed. With, with much food and much to say. Yes, focaccia to you as well. Focaccia. <laughs> how Focaccia. Do you, how, yeah, how do you emphasize the Focaccia. syllables? Focaccia. Because Rashmi speaks Italian. Focaccia. No. Rashmi, don't say no. Okay, I do. I do. Like 10 year streak on Duolingo without yeah. missing a single day. Okay. Oh, so I miss days all the time. No, no. Rashmi's obsessive. No, how many actual days? 1600. Okay. It's, it's really it's ridiculous. It's, it's up there. At some point, you're done, right? No, no they just oh. keep adding more and more and more okay. stuff. Okay. I think you're like top three in the world or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's my claim to fame. It is. It's, yeah. your, it's your special it assigned is my special source. gift by God. <laughs> yeah, Duolingo. <laughs> Duolingo. Duolingo streaks. <laughs> is it still free for you? Or are you paying yeah. now? No, I pay. Okay. Yeah. 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 We do. Okay. But I, I buy you the annual subscription. Yes, Joe buys me the annual subscription. You, you do get your money's worth. I do. <laughs> nice, nice. Which language are you doing, Yasti, then? Spanish. Oh. Oh, how many days have you been going? Just two months. Oh, that's so good. Much. Yeah. It's yeah. a great app. It's actually Not that very we're good. an app cast, but, you know. Yeah, it's only three, three minutes, at least for me. Three to five minutes. I just don't find it to be that useful. I can't say I've done a lot of it, but I feel like it's, it, like a lot of these language things, it's... You don't get a lot of useful phrases. I think for you, Rashmi, it's built your vocabulary like enormously. Yeah, I think you have to engage with a tutor as well, which is what I've done, right? I've dipped in and out of classes. So I think with that and Duolingo, it reinforces everything. You You know what I like about Duolingo, so far at least, is that it's not modular. So it keeps reiterating things from your first class. So it keeps reminding you, right? Because it doesn't move from like we've talked about schools. Now let's talk about planes. No, even when you're talking about planes, it's talking about schools. So it keeps kind of brushing up. So I really like that because I, I don't work well in a modular fashion. I, by the time I'm on chapter three, Correct. I forget chapter one. Correct. So yeah. I really like that. Correct. Yeah. And the yeah. hardest thing for me has been tenses. Mm. That's that's the hardest piece. I don't know I that think, Duolingo does that perfectly, but it's good enough. I think that's just about the hardest thing in any language when you first start speaking. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. remembering the verbs, but then they all sound completely differently. Uh, they also conjugate differently as well. Um, yeah. Duolingo is quite a thing. Their original business model, did you know this? They gave the app away for free. And the idea was that they were expecting to train and hold a whole army of translators that was the original business model. Was like people who got to a certain level, they would then start giving you work, tra- right. work to translate. Oh. I'm not sure how that stands with like AI and things like that anymore. But it it was I don't know, and I don't know if they ever did that. But I remember when it came out, their their whole like mission statement was you know we'll we'll train people in all these languages, and then you know we'll be able to employ some of them and get them to do some of this translation work. Sorry, I stopped listening to you because this. I bought this chocolate hazelnut twist bread. It's divine. It's very good. Yes. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, yes. give give your plug away. Where where did you pick this up today? Con pane. In, in Italian means with bread. Oh. In Liberty Station, if you are a San Diegan, con pane. In Liberty Station. It also in Spanish means with bread. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. See. Is it an Italian or a Spanish See, bakery? Just, uh-huh. <laughs> After only 1,600 days of Duolingo. <laughs> but it's great. Today's episode is brought to you by Con Pane and Duolingo. And Duolingo. Yeah. <laughs> but the bread's good, right, Yazdi? The bread is very good. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very good. It's in Little Italy. No, it's in... Uh, Liberty Station. Liberty Station in San Diego. If, if our listeners haven't gone, so they should. So good. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to start this episode off with a scandal. I'm, I'm outraged. Amazon Prime Video. What about it? 
So it normally came, it came free with Amazon Prime, and they're not changing that, but they are going to start making the free version, i.e. the version that you get when Ooh. you pay your $140 a year for Amazon Prime fee. Which, with ads. With ads, and you then have to spend an additional two ninety nine a month if you want to remove the ads. So I think that's a bit cheeky. Cause They're all misbehaving. Boo! Yeah, it's the, you know, yeah. you know, you know the boiling of the frog where you mm-hmm. kind of keep sneaking these prices up and you don't realize that the frog is suddenly in boiling water and getting cooked. That's how this feels with a lot of these things. So I'm pretty annoyed about that because, you know, number one, I, I hate ads. I will pay to remove ads. It's just a, a, a thing of mine. Um, but number two... Come on, Amazon, we're giving you 140 bucks a year. And I know that's for Prime and two-day delivery and all of that. But, you know, you threw in this as an extra service and said, look at all this great value you get from Prime. And then you're trying to squeeze an extra $3. It seems petty. Are, is this already gone into effect? Or it's not yet, right? I didn't, I watched something the other day and I didn't see any ads. They have their own version called Free V. Correct. Yes. Which is with ads. Correct. But maybe maybe what you're saying is going to kick in. Yeah, let me see. The company announced this in September. And then while you're looking that looking that up, Netflix very quietly increased their prices. Oh yeah, that's so they're all misbehaving. It's like, come on, don't be greedy. Well, I I actually I was buying a bundle of Apple services, and over the course of a year. That bundle, which includes like storage and Apple Arcade and Apple News and Apple Music and blah, blah, blah. But over the course of the year, they increased it effectively 25%. And I said, no, no, like, like, and include Apple TV and all that. But it was paying, you know, 30 bucks a month for all of these things. And now it's closer to 40. And I'm like, why is everyone like just squeezing these little monthly revenues and it's you know on the face of it an extra couple bucks doesn't make a material difference in my life but it's like everyone every single service don't you want them to get a bonus this year joe i know really and they're laying off staff and all sorts of no, I'm grumble. So and honestly, yeah. I would gladly, I think they're all give, putting out, while we're ranting, they're all putting out too much content. I don't want to see so much. I, there's so much on Netflix I already cannot see. So, and, and on Amazon. And I don't want to see. And A lot of it looks trashy, so yeah. Don't spend all your money on, you know, releasing 20 movies every week that, you know, nobody can get to, <laughs> frankly. Agree. But anyway. Yeah, so that's going to start in 2024. So we've got a couple of months left of, of included Amazon, but it's just kind of stinky behavior. Yeah. All right. And speaking of Apple, Apple's prestige release this yes. year, their number one uh, reach for the Oscars this year is the film Killers of the Flower Moon. It is. Which is going to be our first film. Yeah, that was that a great segue. Talk about. Yes. We're not even doing a Netflix pick. Oh. Oh, let's do a Netflix now that we've first. trashed <laughs> trashed all the streaming services. <laughs> this is what you can watch on, Our uh, only on your chance of yes. getting, getting sponsorship yes. from streaming services. Yes, that we've undone. just trashed Yazdi. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, right. quick Netflix picks, and then we'll do, and then we'll do Killers of the Flower Moon. All right, so let's jump into our usual, usual segment of I can't, I can't find, find anything, anything to watch, to watch on, on video, video on demand. Okay, I can go first. I have the comedy on Prime while it's still free, and if you have prime is the movie bottoms which Mm. just came out this year and it's kind of it's kind of touted as a refreshingly unspoken out sorry a refreshingly outspoken and raunchy comedy with two unpopular girls in their senior year of high school that that start a fight club to try to impress and hook up with cheerleaders and it's it's really cute it's really fun it has rachel senot who you might remember from sitting shiva Mm. of the Shiva Baby, sorry, the Shiva movie Baby. Shiva Baby. Yeah. And it also has the very talented Ayo Edabiri, who is in The Bear, the Bear. on Hulu. If you've She's been watching a, that, she is very talented. And a whole bunch of others, including Kaya Gerber, the model, model turned actress Cindy Crawford's daughter. Really fun little movie. If you're looking, Good Friday Night, you know, decompress. And is, it is from the director, it's the second film from the director of Shiva Baby. Oh, so hence he's used. Yeah, hence yeah, she's yeah. used the same. And I'm impressed because, you know, both both actresses are playing much younger, but it works. Mm. 
No, it's it, it was in theaters and it reviewed very well. And, yeah. I, and I really wanted to go see it. And yeah. then it kind of went It's good. Away. I think yeah. you'll like it, yeah. Yasdi. And yeah. it's, it's on Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon Prime. Okay. Awesome. Yasdi, what you got? So my recommendation also is from Amazon Prime. And it's timely because it's Halloween season. And I'm not nominally into horror movies at all, but we did a little piece for uh, Midday Edition on NPR with Beth Takamando, and I had to recommend some films. And I thought of some unusual films, and I thought it would be fun to find one, a horror movie in the Indian genre. And there was this one, which was very highly recommended. I watched it, and I can say, honestly, it's it's a thing of beauty. It's it's called Tumbad, which really doesn't mean anything. It refers to a town. I think in Hindi, the literal translation of Tumbad is after you. And I don't know if there is any relevance to that. But anyway, the movie is just hauntingly beautiful. The whole movie is shot in three chapters over three different periods of time. And, you know, it's all it's always raining and pouring and it's muddy and it's just gorgeous to look at. And essentially, it's the story of this abandoned mansion, right? There's always an abandoned mansion in horror movies. There's an abandoned mansion, mansion which is possessed by this goddess. And the goddess has an evil being within her womb. And that evil being is protecting treasure, which is in that particular mansion. So if you try to get in there, you're going to die. And... The movie starts with when this little kid was, you know, fairly young and his father tried to get at that treasure. Then it jumps to when he's younger, like he's, a, you know, in his 20s. And then it jumps again to when he's 40 years old. The early part of the film is genuinely scary. The middle part has nothing to do with horror at all. It builds plot and then the last part kind of circles back in. Uh, the CGI is pretty darn good. It's just a very, very accomplished film. And I love that instead of relying on Western cliches about horror, this movie completely is steeped in Indian folklore, right? The whole concept of this Devi or this goddess, and there's this whole backstory about how this evil being came to be. It's all very rooted in Indian mythology and Indian uh, folklore, and it just blends so seamlessly. It's it's very, very accomplished, The, the music, um, the production design, everything is exquisite. So definitely worth watching for those who like scary movies. But I think there's maybe five or six scary scenes in the movie. The rest of it is just a very well-made film. So it's Tumbad, T-U-M-B-B-A-D. And it's, uh, as of now, streaming for free on Amazon Prime. Very nice. Two, two for Prime. Joe? I'm going with Netflix this week, um, partly because I'm protesting against the Amazon Prime edition of ads. Um, I'm going to go very kind of broad here. Beckham, it's a documentary mm. about the the world famous soccer player, mm-hmm. athlete, celebrity, model, superstar that he is. We pretty much binged watched this show. It's four episodes of really chronicling his kind of you know rise to fame and some of his challenges and you know kind of goes deep into his personality personal life we love this and look i'm i have to say i'm a soccer fan premier league fan i've I've followed david beckham over the years primarily as a, a football but he's also just such a famous celebrity i think there was a joke played by one newspaper at some point where they went around the world to see if they could find somebody who hadn't heard of David Beckham and they found like a farmer in Chad <laughs> somebody like that that hadn't heard of uh, David Beckham so he's, he's obviously world famous but it's actually a very well put together very engaging documentary it doesn't pull any punches I mean I think you know he has had his controversies as anyone in the public eye has had and you know they kind of tackle them head on you kind of see somebody who is almost leathery skinned from and calloused from all of the uh, attention that has been put on him over the years 
him, his wife and his family, you know, they, they formed this very strong bond. But, you know, my, my kind of overarching sentiment as I came away from this was seeing somebody who's had to do an awful lot of growing up in a very public way and has battle scars to, to, to show for it. But it was very enjoyable, very interesting. Uh, if you have an interest in soccer, I think, you know, add a point or two to its entertainment value because it recalls some very historical moments in World Cups and, and uh, football games. But I really enjoyed it. It is absolutely incredible. It is four episodes and we literally binge watched. We could have binge watched all, all four hours in one sitting. It was that compelling. And like Joe said, I think um, for me, what it, it's very emotional. It's a very emotional show and you really do relive those years with with them and um it's very it seems very raw and honest um as much as anyone's gonna get but really well done i mean the editing is superb the editing of kind of the past and the few you know the the present very very good exceptional is it a fawning documentary like is it like in love with its main character yes or is it it is okay. yeah i mean and but but it's also but it goes deep it, sure, it does sure. go deep though they don't shy away from some of his darker episodes he has done a number of things over the course of his life which have been controversial things that he's kind of embarrassed and 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 they put the camera on him through what are some very painful recollections yeah of of his own mistakes of how he was treated by the public of how you know so you know you know it still puts him up on that pedestal as the top tier you know phenomenon global athlete whatever you want to call him that he is he's a remarkable sporting his his career and sporting accomplishments are you know is among up there you know he's up mm-hmm. there with like the pelés and the you know the Maradona's and uh, you know all of the kind of famous football players when I certainly hold him in that same esteem even though others might argue that he he didn't rise to that level of success I think in in my mind he he's equally heroic in terms of what he brought to the table in terms of football really good stuff so Rashmi yours was Bottoms on Prime Yazdi you had Tumbad T-U-M-B-B-A-D on Prime as well And I bought Beckham on Netflix. Mm -hmm. All right. Let us get into the meat and bones of this podcast. Let's get crunchy with... Let's start with, well, three moves to review. Killers of the Flower Moon, Dick's the Musical, and Priscilla will take them in that order. Rashmi, tell us about Killers of the Flower Moon. Yep. So this is based on David Grant's broadly lauded best-selling book. Joe, I think you read this as well which is set in the 1920s Oklahoma, and it depicts the serial murders of members of the oil-wealthy Osage Nation, a string of brutal crimes that come to be known as the Reign of Terror. This is directed, produced, and written by Martin Scorsese, and it is three hours and 26 minutes, and it stars, you know, his muses, Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro. There is also Jesse Plemons, Lily Gladstone, and John Lithgow, Tantu Cardinal, and a whole host of others. We were able to watch this in the cinema. Who would like to take it away? Yazdi, take this one away. <clears throat> so there's a lot to be said for this film. I think the first thing I would like to tell everybody is that if you love good cinema, you should go watch it. I think a lot was made earlier in the year about how, you know, Oppenheimer is must-see cinema because it touches on a part of American history that is, you know, kind of forgotten. I think this film is just as essential as that one because it also touches on a part of American history that everybody should know about. I'll be honest, I was the one who was complaining the most about the the screen time of the movie before I went in and I was making jokes about bringing catheters and whatnot. (laughs) That's right. But I think those three and a half hours go away pretty quickly once you settle into the rhythm of the movie. This is a very slow burn of a movie. It takes its time and kind of, you know, letting you languidly kind of get used to these characters and these people. And it's a very, very complicated plot we can talk about how Scorsese came to the version of this movie that, that is in the, in the cinema versus what he started with. But 
it, it, it says something that even in its final few moments, it has some cards hidden close to its chest, which are revealed, and it's kind of slowly opening the layers of the onion. Scorsese is 83, 84 years old, and I am already sad that he won't be able to keep making movies as the years go on. I think this is one of his finest movies. Joe. I did read the book, Rashmi, as you mentioned in the intro. And um, yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about the movie structure. But, you know, the, the book I actually found to be quite hard to get through. It was recommended by a good friend of ours, Temple. Thank you so much. But the book itself was, in fact, you know, I brought up the name of the book because the actual name of the book on which this is based is Killers of the Flower Moon. The Osage Murders and the Birth of the FBI. Mm -hmm. And so the book was very much a telling of this story from almost the the investigation of what was going on within this this area and the murders that were going on and how it was all kind of pieced together. The movie tells a very different story. It tells it very much through the eyes of the character played by Lily Gladstone. And yes, it, and there's a lot of, you know, the Leonardo DiCaprio obviously is also in, in here. But yeah, it's, it's slow, but it's, it's, it's slow in a way that it takes its time to kind of lay out its characters and lay out the situation and kind of walk you through what was happening within the, you know, within the plot. You know, again, spoilers, you know. I don't want to get too much into that, but it, it, it wore its time very well, but it, it did it did feel like a very lengthy movie. That doesn't mean to say that I was not engaged or got bored or at any point in this. It's 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 so handsomely made. It's so it has all of the Scorsese craft, um, film craft in here. Uh, the music, the editing. The, the characters, the way that he shoots his characters, uh, the dialogue, the, uh, at moments, shocking violence. Um, so Scorsese fans are going to love this, but honestly, um, go see this movie if you love great cinema, what Yazdi said. Yeah, it's very handsomely made, and I think it's worth watching. I can't say it's the best movie of the year so far, by any means, it's very handsome. I, I just kept getting the feeling, though, that this felt a little Goodfellas set in Oklahoma circa 1920. I, it didn't play... I wish it had more about the tribe and what was going on in the tribe and how they were seeing things unravel. Whereas to me, it felt like it was a lot of the Lily Gladstone character being in bed and being sick. And, and I didn't, I, I feel like the three, and, three hours and 26 minutes, it's way too long. It's way too indulgent. So I think a nicer edited version of this movie could have been more entertaining. I wasn't entertained by it. I think I actually had a, a good 15 minute snooze in the middle. It, it was just too long, but it's very handsome to look at and mm. it's very well made and it's very well acted and it's got great production it's got great cinematography but it didn't feel entertaining to me it it wasn't a compelling story and i think something like this should be compelling it should be either more of a detective story or it should be more tragedy around what actually happened to this tribe because i didn't feel that kinship with the tribe and i feel like something like this should have made me really angry and really upset i think that's fair yeah yes i mean i don't know if it's relevant here but originally scorsese was going to make the film which is very close to the book and like like joe said the second part of the subtitle of the book is and the founding of the FBI. And <clears throat> there's a character in the movie played by Jesse Plemons. It's not a very big role, but you know, he's the, when all these strange killings start happening in the Osage tribe, J. Edgar Hoover at that time, you know, sanctioned these detectives to go investigate. And originally when Scorsese first wrote the script for the movie and, you know, was starting to make Leonardo DiCaprio was hired to play the role that is played by Jesse Plemons. 
because the the whole movie was going to be told through the from the perspective of this detective who shows up you know in Oklahoma in Osage trying to understand why members of their tribe were being murdered and i think if and, you believe and that is the perspective in the book right that, that literally is how it kind of comes together and it, it's slow for that reason because there's this pattern that needs to be understood. Correct, set up first, mm -hmm. yeah. But I think once he met with Osage leaders and other people, he kind of decided to shift the focus of his film away from the detectives and more to the central couple played in this movie by the white character Leonardo DiCaprio and then the Osage tribe. Yeah, so woman. Ernest, but he plays a character called Ernest Burkhart Ernest and then Burkhart. Molly Burkhart. And Molly. Yeah, and I think, I think it, I think it's it's a wise thing to do. I I, I haven't I, nobody can see the other movie he he was planning to make. This is the movie that he did make, but I think to tell their story, well you know, it needed to take its time to lay out all the framework. And I think he, I mean, I don't think he was planning as much to to write an entertaining movie or make an entertaining movie as just tell the history of how things played out. And I think there's, there's two ways of telling the story. One is by telling upfront what happened from the beginning, which is not what he does. And this, the second version is how he does it, where the, the facts are slowly revealed to us. In fact, there's a part of... I'm not giving anything away. There's a part of Leonardo DiCaprio's character, which I still don't know, you know, if his motives were what the movie implies they were or not. And it's it's in spoiler territory, so I won't go into it. So I, I, I think this is more of a history lesson than it is, you know, an entertaining movie. But I, I actually was very angry and very upset after I watched it. Once, once things were revealed, right? Because at... at you know, in some ways, every movie that Martin Scorsese has made is about, you know, men working in an unregulated environment, be it the mafia or be it, you know, early gangs in, in New York or be it, you know, most of his movies are. And this is this is another version of that. And it all comes down to greed. Right. So mm. in this case, it also touches on how America deals with race, that, that we are not happy with another race being in a position of power, holding a lot of money, and what, what effectively gets done. So I think once you start thinking about it, there's a lot at the heart of the movie, and presumably the book as well. And I, I like that the movie kind of triggered that in my head. Hmm. I, um, I mean, here's the thing, Yazdi. If if Martin Scorsese wanted to do the history lesson, then this and it's already three hours and twenty six minutes. He should have done it like a mini series on streaming. But go on. But I, I think, I mean, for me, it was. I went in complaining that oh, I don't want to sit for three hours and fifteen. Minutes. For me, I, I, it was. I was, an hour into the movie, I was very happy in the place I was at. I was in good hands and I kind of went along for the ride. But I think it, it's a question of whether you, whether the, the tone of the movie, which is pretty languid and it's kind of steeped and it's kind of, it takes its time in setting up the relationships and people and so forth. Yeah, if, if that frustrates you, then it'll get increasingly yeah. more frustrating yeah. as the movie goes on. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I want to return to something Rashmi said, which was, you know, this was too long and could have been edited down into something much punchier. I did feel that all the way through. I mean, I think I was never not engaged with the movie, but it tells its story very slowly. And I think the, the, the key beats of the story could have been cut out. That was one of the challenges I had with the book as well. The book is you know, quite a slow read. I had a hard time getting through it just because it, you know, it, it tends to actually be very almost overly descriptive in terms of its, you know, vistas. But yeah, this this movie is indulgent. And I think, you know, one of the other criticisms I've, I've, I've heard of this about this movie is that it is very much a mobster movie set in Osage County, which really, you know, that's one one telling of the story. It doesn't focus enough on, you know, if you want to kind of, you know, follow along that thread in terms of, what I think you experienced, Rashmi, is it doesn't make us fall in love with the Osage people 
so that when the injustices occur, we feel right. their pain. Instead, we almost feel the mobster's pain. Like, you know, I, the, the, as the walls started to close in on, on DiCaprio and his accomplices, you know, I, I was squirming for them. I mean, I was, I was waiting for them to get their, you know, their just desserts. But I, I was uncomfortable with the way that, you know, how are they going to get out of this kind of moment? So it very much felt like that mobster you know, when things start to unravel in Goodfellas and there's murders and, you know, people stab each other in the back and so forth. So, you know, I think Scorsese, I think almost instinctively tells that story because that's that's the filmmaker he is. Yeah. He's maybe not making as much of, you know, the Osage community, you know. We, right. We, we needed to fall in love with them, which this movie doesn't help I, us do. I for me, the entire beating heart of this movie <clears throat> is Molly Burkhart. This is her movie. So I, I fell in love with her completely huh. and totally. And I was very protective of her through the entire course of the movie. So I was thrilled when the people who did her harm and did harm to her sisters, when, when they got their due. due. So I, I, don't, I think the, the beating heart of the movie is Molly. I agree with that, but I don't know that that's necessarily from the perspective of the injustices that were being done to an entire community. I felt what they were doing to her. Well, each of her sisters was systematically killed. How can you not be sympathetic to that? I am, but I was, it was all viewed through her eyes and how she was feeling about it as in terms of the outrage of the community. And again, that, that's personally how I took mm. it. I, I saw her pain. I saw, So I felt for her as a character, as an individual, but not necessarily... You know, what this story should be te getting us to do is, America, what did you do to this people? And I think it was like, poor Molly. <laughs> but, but for me, so my understanding was he telescopes to this one family mm -hmm. and what happened to them. Mm -hmm. But this was happening on a larger scale Correct. across different people. Because it wasn't just Molly's three sisters who were killed. The reason why the FBI was called is people across that very small area of land in mm -hmm. Oklahoma, all those no. Osage people were getting killed. So I think the movie yeah, decides yeah. for better or for worse to telescope on this one story only. Having read the book, I agree with that, but that's not what the movie does. It very much focuses on this unit to tell the broader picture of what was going on. And so, again, you know, it, it's better. It's, I'm just kind of yeah. trying to reconcile you and Rashmi's perspective and mine too, you know, which is, you know, Rashmi, I think you were looking for a bigger, almost like a... You know, you wanted outrage about the injustice yeah, here, right? This yeah, and of course there was outrage. There is some outrage, but again, it just didn't, for me, it didn't deliver the punch. And yeah. certainly the three hours and 26 minutes, I didn't feel, you know, I didn't feel it earned its time. So I can sum this one up. Ooh. For me, this is, this is, this is a six out of 10 for me. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a six out of 10. Too long. For me, it's so far the best film i've seen this year nine out of ten really it's just majestic it's majestic it is, it is majestic. <clears throat> i mean there, there are shots in there which I'm, i was wondering how did scorsese even do this like i mean as as a student of cinema my anybody's jaw should fall to the ground saying how did he orchestrate this particular shot there I, and i don't know if he's used cgi or if there was extras or you know there are shots of these people trying to douse this fire in the middle of the night it's just he, like he's using at, at this ripe old age, he's using every tool in his toolbox to make a film of of he he deliberately leaves it morally muddled and doesn't really tell you what you should think until the very last scene of the movie, which I won't say anything about, which I think which I think is also a, a very, very uh, risky thing for a filmmaker to do at this stage in his career. But he does that with the last scene of the movie. But for me, it, it, the whole thing is, it just comes across as so tragic that mm -hmm. people cannot let someone else be happy and people cannot let somebody else have power and people cannot let somebody else be wealthy and people deliberately put in place plans to bring them down and steal their wealth. And if it means cold-blooded murder, then so be it. Now, that might... To most people define the mafia, but in this case, it defined, you know, American certain people. society. So for yeah. me, it's it's an achingly sad story, and the more I think about it, the more I'm saddened that, you know, racism is not new. Racism has been a part of this country from the very beginning, and and 
you know, the underbelly of, of things from, you know, the 1920s is still pretty nasty. So I, it's, it, for me, it's like an aching, sad saga. It's just, I, and, and, you know, we haven't talked about the performances. I, I will chop my hand off if Lily Gladstone doesn't get one. Yeah, I mean, and she's I would be guaranteed. angry. I would be gutted if she got one. But I, I haven't I seen do. all the performances yet of all of the women. But if she got a nomination. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was that great. I think she's amazing i think she's incredible I, yeah that, i it, think she's it's she's the heart of the movie yeah but, she, but it's easily my favorite female performance yeah, of the year really? so far like by a by country a mile, mile. Yeah, I, it's I all in her eyes i can't find anyone who's come even close yeah see i'm a bit irritated because i know this will get lots of oscar love and As i don't think it deserves it, it but <laughs> i mean the ultimate betrayal that the movie wants you to feel comes through the betrayal of in her eyes i know yeah. but we've yeah. seen that so that before i mean no, no. Anyway. This, this is this is a, a performance that should be celebrated she she is remarkable she's, she's re- yeah. everyone go see this and tell us what you think <laughs> yeah and i also think I'd, I'd be very surprised if you know robert de niro has been in 400 movies and you know he's he's been coasting for a long time every once in a while he's okay in a movie and then he does something really stupid right and then we say oh of course that's robert de niro how great is he i would challenge any actor to play robert de niro's role in this movie i mean he is again he's not the usual screaming shrieking yelling you know i'm going to you know break a bottle on your skull and you know kill you kind of it's such a fine-tuned performance and also Leo DiCaprio, I mean, he, he has this, I don't know, that's actually, I think Leo DiCaprio is the weakest link in the movie because yeah. he has this weird smirk. Mouthpiece. And then he has bad teeth, which look yeah. really fake, which were kind of annoying me. But his role also is very tricky because he plays somebody who is kind of dim-witted and who's very easily gullible yeah. and who kind of goes along with things. And is he really as gullible as the movie asks us to believe? Or, you know, so, the movie kind of leaves it open. And I think that's by that's, virtue of his performance. Well, exactly right. And I think that's ultimately, you know, one of my kind of struggles with the movie, if I have any, it is that I felt almost as much empathy for him mm-hmm. and his stupidity right. and, the, and the pickles he kept getting himself into and the hole that he dug for himself and the, the way the walls closed in on him and his stupidity, I felt almost as much emotionally for him and his plight as I did for the injustices that were being done. And, and you know, that's, that's great storytelling there because yeah. the truth is, you know, good and bad, you know, shades of grey, you know, good people in bad situation, you know, all of this kind of comes to mind as you kind of pass out how you feel about this. But I felt pretty emotional for him as this idiot that got caught in caught up in this mess yeah because if he was just following what somebody was asking him to do then he was really stupid and if he was aware of it then he was really nasty and i know people who haven't seen the movie will not know until until they watch the movie but i I think it's it's not an easy performance and one final thing the music score by robbie robertson who died before the movie was made i mean it, it has this you know it never feels anachronistic. It's very much said in its time, but it gives this, it has this dread, you know, of something bad's happening yeah, or is about good to happen. Music, so it's good music, good music, yeah. yeah. Did you yeah. give your score? I have not. So, you know, I was, I came into this review with a nine, but I think Rashmi, you've given me some points pushing me towards an eight. It's not perfect to think, you know, but that said, it's a fantastic piece of cinema. I mean, the most I can say about it is that I am going to watch this again. And given that this is three and a half hours in length and oh my, God. my time... Give me notice <laughs> so I can leave the house. My, my time is is pretty precious. I, I, I will watch this again. It's, it's out on Apple TV later this year. And I think yeah. it's going to be a, a, a easy rewatch by me. So, yeah, it, again, a lot to say. We've said a lot. Let's move on to something far more sophisticated and highbrow yes dicks the musical <laughs> okay so i have this one again so this is the movie about two self-obsessed businessmen who discover their long-lost identical twins and come together to plot the reunion of their eccentric divorced parents so this is directed by larry charles and it's written by aaron jackson and josh sharp who also star in the movie and it also stars megan mullally nathan lane megan the stallion and bowen yang amongst others 
Dix the Musical. Joe, what did you think of this movie? Why'd you pick on me? I mean, this is what happens when you have a writer's strike. Like, this is absolute drivel. You know, it tries really hard to be funny, and certainly there were members of the audience that, that found it very funny. But I just, I just found it just ridiculous. Everyone in it thought it was ridiculous. It was trying to shock and offend, and I get that there's a lot of, you know, uh, there's a lot of opportunity to be, to be mined there, right? You, you can you can have shock and drama, but it and and shock and disgust and and push boundaries and and you know make jokes about incest and all this kind of stuff. Um, and it can be very funny. I'm not sensitive to that. I actually like that kind of very you know scattish type humor. But this just didn't work well enough for me. There was some very funny puppetry in the movie. I'll, that, that gave me a giggle. I'll have to say that that really did make me, you know, giggle in, in, in a schoolboy way. But I just struggled with it. I can't. I, here's, what I, here's what I think. I can't give this a good score in my brain because I can't hand on heart tell anybody in the world to go spend time watching this. Yes, Steve. It was bad. So... Over the last four years, my my mantra, and it's not failed me a single time, my mantra has been, if any movie is being distributed or released by A24, go yes. see it, right? Go see it blind. You don't need to know anything about the movie and you will not be disappoint, disappointed. Well, all good things have to come to an end. So I, <laughs> I'm, my, my big question is, what the hell were A24 thinking? Like, so I, listen, I, I'm going to go even one step more than you. I think all art should be provocative. I think there should be no sacred cows. I think if you can offend that person in Nebraska, you know, who who is a devout, you know, religious person, by all means do it, right? If somebody doesn't want to watch, you know, an offensive movie, you have a choice not to watch it. And I, I kind of take pleasure in making movies which is going to offend people. So I think push the envelope, push it up somebody's butt, do all of that. No pun but intended. It, but yeah. But at the end of it, there should be some purpose to it. There should be some, there should be some, some through line to it, right? So this movie is just one, like how silly would it be if this happened? And how silly would it be if it's just a whole bunch of these things thrown together? The best thing I can say about the movie is, if you're high or if you're very drunk and you watch it with a lot of people, then, you know, you will enjoy it because it'll be like, oh, my God, how stupid is this? But there's nothing holding the movie together. There is no through fare through it, thoroughfare through it. It really gives, you know, cutting edge provocative movies a bad name. Right. The, I understand that the movie was is based on a 30 minute like back alley stage production in Boston or San Francisco or somewhere, and it was called Effing Identical Twins. I wish this movie was called Effing Identical Twins because it makes more sense than Dix the Musical even is a cop-out. There, there's nothing about the movie which has anything directly to do with Dix, I think. So it's just, they've copped out even with the name, right? But I think it's like sometimes you take an very, very funny SNL skit and make a whole movie out of it. And it just, the souffle just falls flat. And I think this is best seen perhaps as a 30 minute thing of craziness where you just laugh out loud. For a 90, 90 minute running time, it just, it, it doesn't hold itself together. Some of the songs are hummable, but it's crap. <laughs> exactly what Yassi said, except I hate it even more. I hate this movie. This is a complete waste of your time. There is maybe one funny scene, and even that's outrageous. I was embarrassed for all of the performers. I'm embarrassed by the musical. There's not even, not even musicality. There, there's not even any great songs in here. It's horribly, horribly shameful to see Megan Mullally and Nathan Lane reduced to <laughs> acting the way they're acting. I mean, there is a singing vagina in this. There is Nathan Lane no eating ham vaginas, and yeah. spitting it out on these weird puppets. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't hold together. It's outrageously bad. This is the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. No, it's not the worst movie. Really? I no, can't no, think of I a mean, worst it's, movie. It's, it's down movie. there. It's not even yeah, so bad like... that it's good because I, I like those ones that yeah. are so bad that they're good. 
There is nothing redeemable about this other than the 90 minute running time, which I wish had been even shorter. It's so, terrible. So here, here's it's what I terrible. don't understand. Unanimously among the three of us, we, we don't like this movie. It is running 68% on the Tomatometer, just shy of a fresh score. 69% on the audience score. Like, yeah, but did we miss something? No, no, no. And, and I will say something about the screening. Given that this was a musical, the screening that we went to see, and I should have said something about this to the, 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 the press rep, the sound was actually quite hard. So some of the dialogue was hard to kind of come out that the, the, whatever it was the button they should have pushed to get a dolby surround although i wouldn't necessarily want to be surrounded by this nonsense but the, the surround sound button hadn't been pushed the, mo- the the sound was bad which was which made an annoying thing kind of even more annoying i thought it was a telltale sign when they gave us alcohol before we walked into the cinema i just <laughs> thought oh, that's very nice they're giving us a free cocktail now i understand why we should have had three each it worked on 70 percent of critics clearly yeah but see i i, I don't think somebody's grandma is going to go watch a movie called Dick's the Musical, right? So I think the reason why it has a high rating on the tomorrow meter is a certain kind of people who wants to see something offensive, something out there, something which pushes the envelope, they're going to go watch it. I have nothing against that. I think get as low brow as you can, right? I mean, you know, God bless, you know, John Waters movies, right? Where some, it's, you can be as low brought, have, have flying vaginas, have all of this stuff, but there should be something holding it together. And that's my problem. I, I think it's an extremely poor taste, but I have no problem with movies which are- No, I mean, Jackass extremely... the movie is probably my favorite Correct. movie of Me last too. year. I love it. Yeah. But there is, there is, there is something with, there is a connective tissue which holds the movie together. But there was nothing in this movie. I mean, it's, you know, again, those, those puppets, the, the sewer boys, were mildly amusing. Uh, Megan Thee Stallion, what is she doing in this movie? But anyway, she had a song Trying which was, to get her SAG card. <laughs> I don't know. Her SAG after card. I mean, seriously. Uh, but, you know, she has a song which, I mean, some of the songs are kind of hummable and so forth, but... I just wish somebody had not been so slapstick about it. And Megan Mullally and, and Nathan Lane should be in a, in a horrible, terrible envelope-pushing movie, but not this one. Correct. This is just and, a bad one. And, I, I mean, I hate to, to knock on anyone's kind of love and work and passion project, but this all felt very low effort to me. And I think more most, most of what I saw felt like it was an improvised dialogue that was written yeah. down and yeah, captured an S- on an its SNL's, first take. Yeah. Right? Not, not that they'd been in a writer's room and written jokes and, written, and trying to put... It just felt like, right... In this scene, you know, we'll do this and let's just improvise some dialogue and some songs. We'll make them up as we go along and whatever works, works. And we'll edit out the stuff that didn't. It just felt very improvisational, which is fine. That can be good. That can be very good. But it just felt very low effort. And again, I don't know whether that's the truth. If it's based on some sort of a musical here, uh, maybe a 30-minute format would have been great for this. Um you know, like a, a YouTube thing. Uh, but but yeah, to stretch this out to a feature length um, duration was just uh, yeah, was appalling. Yeah, it, it, the two guys who play the leads in the movie, they are the ones who did the yeah. half an hour show. So somebody gave them funding and said, yeah, make a movie out of this. And I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's so bad. Uh, yeah, for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. And you know what is up with Megan Milani's lisp? It was so painful. It was so painful. I, again, I think it's one of those things in an improv class that you would right. don a character with, and yeah. and unfortunately, the material doesn't. The, the the whole thing becomes about her lisp as opposed to the material, right? right? right. The characteristic right. as opposed to the content, and it's fine if you have that. It's a great characteristic for if you have good content, but you don't here. But the. 19-year-old girl in the row behind us seemed to be giggling yeah. all the way That's through That's because she was trying to impress the boy she was uh, well, with and I thinking mean, it's funny. I don't no, know. I, I, well, no, here's what I'm saying. Yeah. The, the audience score is, is good for this. So, again, I think it has its audience. It's yeah. just not us. And, you know, I think this is where, you know, something like a tomatometer is a very dangerous thing, right, where I, a score like this might encourage me to give this a shot especially if i liked the joke in the trailer but it, <laughs> it would have been a terrible mistake i'm just glad i didn't pay to see this that's that's all i have to say yeah and actually when you go into the tomatometer and you look at the actual ratings they're you know two out of four 
six out of ten, two point four out of four. Mm. You know, so it, it's that whole tomatometer rating thing that you always talk about, Joe. Just because it shows up at a certain yeah, has to, has percentage. To be above. I yeah. think if I think if you've had three beers and you go for eleven thirty screening of Dix the Musical, and you probably sleep it's through the half best of thing. it. I think it's probably the best thing. I think that's the right. Maybe it's it's ideal for that. Like people go and watch what is that movie, The Room, which is just a bona fide awful film, but it's been running, you know, midnight screenings forever. And I think it's because yeah, you Rocky know, Horror Show has its oh, yeah, which, yeah which, Rocky Horror Show is is genius in comparison to this. Yeah, I yeah. think yeah, in, but in I've never, I've, ne- this, but I've never bonded yeah. with that kind right, of humor right, material. Right, right. I mean, I know it's got this cult following and people love right. it, and but I've just never, it's never been my thing. And maybe maybe this movie has its like. I'm even angry we're spending more time on it. Yeah. Like, I need, we really should wind this one up. All right. Okay. No more breath. Yazdi, what's your score? A four out of 10. <gasps> okay. Yeah, four out of 10. And yeah, if you're drunk, watch it. Joe. Or high. I mean, four seems so generous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm at a two or a three. I'll go with a three just because, because there were some outtakes that were mildly amusing at the end. Yeah, the credits were the yeah, best. Yeah, the credits part. the credits made End me credits, yeah. yeah, the credits put me in a good mood. I'm, I, That's I, why they put them in. <laughs> uh, this one should be castrated from your minds. Ooh. Totally flaccid, 1 out of 10. <laughs> I wanted to give it a 0, but just for turning up, I think it should get a 1. Okay. Okay. Moving on swiftly. Let's talk then about the movie Priscilla. Yes, so isn't it wonderful that the daughter of one of the, our most famous directors, you know, being Sofia Coppola, a daughter of Francis Ford Coppola, has chosen to make a movie about the wife of one of our most famous celebrities, which is Elvis Presley. So the Elvis Presley story has been told umpteenth number of times, most recently in the movie Elvis, which, you know, obviously did very well the last Baz Luhrmann movie and in this particular film I have not seen it I know that both of you have seen it it's looked at through the lens of Priscilla Presley and uh, this is you know Sofia Coppola last made a film what was it On the, on rocks, the rocks with Bill Murray with Bill Murray which was kind of which was kind of good fun it was enjoyable I uh, I liked it and then this is her latest movie and like I said before it looks at the you know the history of the you know the Elvis Presley phenomenon through through the eyes of Priscilla and specifically when the teenage Priscilla meets Elvis Presley the man who is already by that time a meteoric rock and roll superstar and becomes infatuated with him and you know you get to see her in the unexpected moments including a thrilling crush an ally in loneliness and a vulnerable best friend this is from the IMDb synopsis of the movie. The writers for the movie are Sandra Harmon, Priscilla Presley herself gets credit, as well as Sofia Coppola. And the film stars Kaylee Spaney, who is an actor I'm not familiar with, but she plays the title character here of Priscilla. And then Jacob Elordi, he of the HBO series Euphoria. Euphoria. Jacob Elordi plays Elvis. And then, you know, there's there's not too many other well-known names that I've seen the cast credit. Priscilla Presley gets credit because it's based on the book Elvis and Me, okay. the true story of love between Priscilla and Elvis. Correct, which was written by Sandra Harmon. Correct. Oh, I thought it was written by Priscilla Presley. Well, it's based on the book Elvis and Me by Sandra Harmon, and then Priscilla Presley, I guess, helped Sandra Harmon write her story. Oh, I should do my best. At least according to I'm. I should do my best. So what do you guys think of it? I yeah. really like this movie. It's a very quiet, gentle exploration of a young girl going through her life. It's not super flashy. It's It's... It gave me the feeling of the movie Jackie. Do you remember mm-hmm. the, the 2016 movie yeah. Jackie that came out with Natalie Portman, which had kind of like a quietness about mm-hmm. that character? I'm considering this incredible life that Priscilla Presley had 
it kind of almost made me feel sorry for her that she was just kind of caught up in this world without even trying and her just coming to terms with what's going on around her. So we're kind of seeing the world as it unfolds through her eyes, which was beautifully captured. And I think the performance was exceptional. Yeah. Q, best actor nomination, best female actor nomination number two in this podcast. Yeah, this is... Look, there's something that always sits very well for me with Sofia Coppola's direction. She's directed so many movies that I really like. You know, everyone knows Lost in Translation, but Lost in Translation sits so high in my esteem. It's a top 10 movie for me. It just, it just works. And she brings that kind of same very closed feel. It almost, to, to some extent, feels as if this movie was 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 shot in, on a single sound stage. It, it feels like it's all in a cardboard box, all very kind of neatly packaged. And it gives us this very claustrophobic world of somebody who, through this portrayal, Elvis almost kept around as a pet. I mean, he loved her, but he he clearly wanted to keep her safe and sheltered and away from everyone else and away from corrupting influences and and the world so that he had this relationship that was pure when the rest of his world was so crazy and because it's done through her eyes you know you you can see the love that she felt for him but also how frustrating it would be to to live that that kind of life and yeah there's it's just it, it's a very closed world that we get because I really do think that she was kept very much at Graceland to be his yeah, pet I his, think you said it his, perfectly yeah, his, his kind of his pet wife and that doesn't mean to say that there wasn't love there and and that the movie you know and the movie you know takes us there but Coppola has a way of shooting her actors that brings through their eyes the quiet emotions that people feel very personally and I, I know they've said that very clumsily but that throughout the entire running time of this movie I was with um Kaylee Spaney I probably butchered her name because her, her her performance here is absolutely spellbinding I mean it it really is just something to behold. Yeah, yeah, I really love this movie. Yeah, and Jacob Elody is a great Elvis. I mean, we had the movie Elvis last year. Mm-hmm. I think this was actually a better portrayal of Elvis in this movie. It was a different Elvis, obviously, because... It wasn't know, about Elvis. No, it I wasn't mean, about Elvis. No, no, it no, was but, about... But, yeah. I mean, even though he's in it a lot, you know, one, one comment I read about this movie is that there's not a single Elvis song in it. And... You know, mm. there isn't. This movie has There's a some fantastic. Music, yeah. No, this movie has a fantastic soundtrack. P- wonderful. I mean, it's yeah. Probably the one of the best. You know, it uses lots of ty- song. You know, time appropriate songs from the era. Oftentimes, the music is telling you how you should feel during that scene, which you know I can find kind of annoying, but it, it's not annoying here. And but there's not a single Elvis song sung. In this movie, which is is it because it was hard to get clearance and too who, much money? Who knows? But yeah. it works brilliantly to kind of take the focus away from Elvis yeah. and put it back on Priscilla, right? So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, nothing. Go see this one when this comes out. This is going to come out very shortly, and it's a really great movie. And I love that it kind of plays on the on the fringes of. She's a very young girl when this starts out. Yeah. And it doesn't portray Elvis as a pedophile. You know, and and I know times were different, but she's a 14-year-old girl. I think he's like a 20-something-year-old man. And it, 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 it skirts around that issue very well. But again, it shows kind of how her parents were manipulated in some way by Priscilla herself to wanting to pursue this relationship with Elvis. She wasn't forced into it. So I I think it's a, it's a good examination, but it 
it's definitely showing a very pure, innocent well woman coming of age. But, but is that enough for a film? It seems it is. It doesn't sound like it. Yeah. But it is. And mm. I, I think, you know, to, to speak to what Rashmi was saying, you know, their relationship remained innocent for many, many years. I mean, you know, again, I think he kept her to for want of a better word, his pure thing in his debaucherous world, right? Like he and it, it says that I mean, for many years, you know, before they were married. Know, married um, he had affairs and, and, and relationships with all number of, you know, kind of newsworthy trollops, as we call them in England. Um, so, you know, but he kept her in this place where he knew that she was, you know, waiting for him and he was, you know, waiting for her. So, and, and even when they got together, it was very much an innocent kind of almost childlike, playful, you know, it was kind of like, you know, you had a, a bestie in as a kid, you know, that wasn't sexual. You were just very close. It's not quite father-daughter and it's not quite brother-sister, yeah. but there's some but, uh, kind of not incestuous because they're not related, but it really does kind of make you ask those questions. Yeah. What was in it for both of them? I mean, and, clearly what was in it for her was she was with Elvis, but it doesn't show you that she necessarily got a lot of pleasure out of that world in a sense. Oh, he tried to keep her separate from it. Yeah, it, it's so, a really good movie. Yeah. It's, it's an and hour and 53 minutes. Yeah. I don't want to build it up too much because it's a very, it's a very soft movie, <clears throat> right? Yeah, it's very and quiet. It, 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 it lets, again, it, it, it breathes between the scenes and it leaves you with a feeling rather than a story well told. And it's handled just very, again, Coppola, Sofia Coppola, just again, as a director works so well for me that I don't know whether this is my kind of inherent, you know, fanboyness of, of her directing, right? She works for me, even movies that people hate, The Bling Ring, <laughs> work really well for me at the hands of Coppola. So I think... I mean, Marie she, Antoinette she is one of my favourite movies and it didn't sure. do well commercially. But yeah, it takes you into a, 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 a very compact world with a single character and you feel what she feels and you see what she sees and everyone around her and the, and the madness. Yeah. I, I just, I, I adore this movie. Definitely worth a watch. I'll wind this one up. I, w I would give this one an eight out of 10. Yeah. And I'm going to go with a nine. I, I was so, no. I am. No, I, I was so <laughs> engaged by Kaylee Spaney's performance here. She drew me so much into the mind of this character you know, she she looks amazing, but there's there's like a there's there's, there's something very like 1960s Siri. <laughs> there's something 1960s Siri about this. No, you know, she's I don't know. There's just something enchanting. She, she's got to play a, a huge. That's exactly the word. It, I'm there's looking a huge for. age range. She has to play from 14 through yes. to about 34, and she does it really well. Really well. Really really well. I've been hearing the film mostly from the lens of you know the the great acting from from the girl who plays uh, priscilla and everybody seems to be coalescing around her being one of the major you know nominees perhaps at the end of the year yeah so, yeah, yeah she'll be on my list for sure yeah, yeah. okie doke We've met, we've done it again. We've broken the 60 minute threshold. We are over an hour long. So God, that's because you um, went on and on and on about killers of the flower moon. Well, yes, we, we had, should. We had a, <laughs> we had a lot to say, Rashmi. <laughs> and we should completely delete dicks. Just leave our scores. <laughs> you know, maybe we should do like a movie while there's extra where we just talk uh, yeah. for hours and hours. Who knows? Maybe people want to listen to that. Maybe they don't. I'll assume you don't. I think assume your commuting time is adequate. To, to listen to what we said thank you very much for making it this far in the podcast as always you can find us at moviewallers.com twitter.com slash moviewallers or x.com slash moviewallers I guess facebook.com slash moviewallers instagram.com slash moviewallers none of which we are very diligent about posting but do follow us but there. you never know but you never know we, we have that occasional surprise that we hope will put a smile on your face until our next episode too many movies, too little time. A goodbye from me. And me. And me as well. Bye.